Welcome to this very special edition of Buzzworthy Brands, in which we talk with leaders from three of the country's fastest growing small restaurant concepts. You'll hear from founders of Main Squeeze Juice Company, Clean Eats, and Rush Bowls. All three are health-focused, fast casual concepts, but they've all had different approaches to growth and different ways of navigating the pandemic. We'll start with a portion of our conversation with Thomas Nieto, CEO of Main Squeeze Juice Company. That's a 23-unit chain from Lake Charles, Louisiana. Nieto was introduced to the concept by the founders shortly before the first location even opened. Right away, he knew it would be a good brand for growth. This is something, if you can win me over on the health bandwagon, uh, you can win the world. Uh, so, That's awesome. You know, so just, how, how long did it take like from that initial meeting to like now having this franchise restaurant? Not, not, not that long. Uh, so literally from that, that meeting, mind you that, you know, and they weren't even open on that Monday and they didn't even own, they didn't own the trademark. They had put main squeeze up there, but they didn't own the IP. I mean, just a real mom and pop kind of sure, sure. Uh, setup deal. Um, so let's see, that was, uh, I was sold the cell phone repair concept in April of 17. Michael got married uh, that next week, uh, <laughs> mid April, I remember. And then in May is when we uh, went to Main Squeeze, you know, when I, when I experienced Main Squeeze, and we put all the documents together. I founded the franchise company in July uh, of 17. Uh, we got working on the FDD even a little bit before then and started, uh, we created all the operations, man. Of course, I was 10 years with AT&T. All my operational background and experience uh, allowed me to be able to take all the systems and the processes that they were doing and being able to put them in, you know, replicatable uh, sure, formats sure. to where we can teach and train and reproduce and have the quality control and consistency and streamlining of a lot of things. For example, you know, their recipes were, you know, a, a pinch of salt here, a handful of this. Here. So <laughs> I had to, we had to, you know, obviously uh, create all the operational uh, structure uh, there with, along with the FDD, we started franchising and licensing the brand in September of 17. Uh, so again, this is pretty fast. Very fast, yeah. Um, how many we, units are you at now? So we have 85 that are signed and committed to and sold, uh, 85 locations. Uh, and we have, we just opened our 23rd uh, location, which was the first of 10 uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. And, um, you know, God willing, we should be very, very close to 30 units by the end of this year open. So, so I'm talking to you because you are on this list of the fastest growing small chains. Um, we get uh, data from our partner, Technomic, that uh, looks at sales data. For this particular list, we looked at um, three-year sales growth and, and unit growth and sort of narrowed it down to this list of fast growing chains. So I'm, I'm particularly interested in this class of successful emerging brands, like how you've made it through the last year and a half and have not just treaded water, but really been focused on, on growth and like pushing forward and stuff. So what, what do you think has been, have been some of the drivers for this particular concept? Hmm. I think a few things. I think obviously we, we've, we have an incredible brand and incredible product that really is superior of anything else that's out there. And I'm not 
I'm not really even knocking our competitors. The cool thing about my industry is like, even my competitors are doing great things. Like they're <laughs> selling healthy food that's helping people. So, but, but just our product is superior. It's there, there's nothing that, that quite compares to it. So I think obviously that uh, is a big factor. We, we, you know, uh, I think luck, you know, a little bit of luck played into it as well. I, I, I guess intentional uh, luck because we set up all of our locations with, with that, that quick service concept in mind. So for example, you know, we're, we probably have the highest mix, even though, I mean, I know we don't have a, a thousand units open, but we make a very high priority for drive-through uh, locations. And in our industry specifically in the QSR space, that's obviously, yeah. Okay, cool. Sure. How many of those, that. how many of those 18 have drive-throughs? Uh, so of the 23 locations that we have, uh, let's see, what is that? I want to say should be a little, it should be right at 60%. So okay. what is that like 13 uh, locations, uh-huh. 13, 14. And when they don't have a drive-through, we, in lieu of the drive-through, because sometimes you just, you can't get the drive-through. Sure. Um, we have designated parking spots for our amazing uh, enterprise app that we actually just launched, which uh, has this next level uh, curbside pickup. Uh, functionality built into it with automatic geofencing alerts to where, you know, when you get close into a certain proximity of the store, it automatically bumps the store and uh, has the employee come out with your order to where unlike any other curbside app experience where you have to click the button saying I'm here, you have to wait for the employee to come out free. In our case, they're, they're getting alerted. Uh, We get alerted. Um, from the customer via geofencing. And so we are waiting for the customer with their order. Uh, those curbside pickup spaces really are, you know, that's, it's a deal breaker. It's a must uh, that we have because I, you know, and, and like I said, in lieu of that drive-through, it's, it still is giving the customer a complete seamless in-car experience uh, for the mom that's got the kids that doesn't want to be inconvenienced and have to get out the car and, you know, business guys on his conference calls, they want to have to go in the store and, Everybody else in the world is just a little sketched out right now with the Delta variant and COVID and just being very mindful about going inside of places. So uh, we just kind of set ourselves up for that uh, quick service, really fast in and out convenience model because, that you know, convenience is obviously a big driver in our mission of making healthy easier. Healthy is not going to be easy if it's not convenient. That's one of the reasons why it's not easy. So, you know, I, that, that I think plays into it big time. I think that goes into probably connects to maybe that uh, bigger piece of strategy that really helped us pivot uh, and develop some different uh, things technology-wise immediately uh, after COVID and even some things that we're working on before COVID uh, is the fact that, you know, I, we're really a software company that uh, we, we sell juices and smoothies to. Uh, is kind of how I like to say it. You know, before I opened our first franchise location, I um, understanding the value of data and a an intuitive, personalized, innovative, smart point of sale system, business management system. Understanding how important uh, that is, I um, made a heavy investment up front and got a development team and started building proprietary software. So, Oh, wow. Um, You're not using any of the pre-built point of sale stuff that's out there. 
No. No, ma'am. No. Everything that, that we're using in the stores from the loyalty program to the rewards to the customer feedback tool to the marketing platform to the uh, scheduling to the timekeeping to the inventory management, all aspects of everything that's being done, uh, mobile application, online ordering, website, uh, all of that was was built in-house uh, and has continued to, to be managed uh, in-house. And it's built from the operator's mind in the operator's perspective, which you'll hear that sometimes in certain uh, point of sale systems. Oh, we built this from the operator's perspective. And a lot of that's true. But for us, we built it from the operator's perspective. That's a main squeeze operator. So it's a truly personalized uh, solution. And, and by having that technology and having those developers in-house and, and on deck, I mean, we were able to, for example, when uh, would the shutdowns for COVID, I think, uh, were announced was that mid-March of 2020. 2020. <clears throat> and so, like, when that happened, uh, within two weeks, at, at the time, we had online ordering, but we didn't have, like, a curbside pickup mm-hmm. functionality um, that was intuitive. We, we literally built a curbside platform with our online ordering in less than two weeks. We scoped it. We constructed it, we built it, we tested it, and we implemented it in less than two weeks. Next, we'll hear from Don Verity, who founded the Clean Eats chain with his wife, Yvonne Verity. The 63-unit concept sells well-balanced meals for those seeking a healthy lifestyle. In addition to the restaurants, the Verities run a wholly separate business, Clean Eats Kitchen, which produces and distributes prepared meals to military bases, schools, and direct-to-consumers how it sort of differentiates from some of the other like health focused, fast, casual concepts out there. Sure. Well, for for one, I mean, I think the thing that differentiates differentiates us from other meal plan companies is our brick and mortar locations, our brick and mortar restaurants. You know, we have five revenue streams in those restaurants. Um, It's a low investment between, you know, around 115 to 585 is the, is the investment range for franchisees, which mm-hmm. is way lower than most of our competition in that space. You know, and our, our average uh, AUV per restaurant is close to 900,000, which is, which is pretty good for a concept like ours. So, I mean, I think those are the two biggest ones. It's a low investment. There's multiple revenue streams and, you know, they're, they, they operate pretty good. Pretty yeah. And so, so I can walk in to a clean eats and just pick up lunch or I can like subscribe to a meal plan. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. So we have dine in, carry out, we do catering. We have a grab and go section in our restaurant. And really what that is, is when Yvonne and I started doing this early on, you know, we were, we were poor essentially. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't want to waste our food. And we were like, well, how can we utilize the the leftover food products that we didn't use during the day in the cafe. And so we just started making up meals with this stuff and kind of Yvonne's really good and creative with menu development with um, leftover products. And so that kind of developed into what is now a major, major revenue stream for our restaurants. And when we just call it our grab and go section, and it allows the franchisees to utilize food waste and and leftover products and, and sell meals on the go right there in the restaurant in the freezer. It's kind of like a grocery retail section, um, which, which is also very, very different than, than what a lot of concepts are doing. Yeah, for sure. And do you cater to like specific dietary needs or do you have sort of a range of options? 
we can. Um, we can we can cater to just about every lifestyle. Um, are you able to say like how many subscriptions you have going like for the meal plans and stuff? So we actually don't do subscriptions. Okay. Um, that, that's another beauty of it. Um, a lot of the meal plan companies that you see online are subscription based and we're not. We, we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to make people commit to having to order week after week, even though, you know, people travel a lot. People's schedules are crazy. Sure. So the beauty about our concept is you can order one week and if you have a family vacation the next week or whatever the case may be, you just don't place an order and you can come back and order whenever you want. Um, in terms of volume, like how many people, oh man, a couple hundred thousand. I mean, there's a lot and we have 63 locations open nationwide and each one of those are doing roughly two to 3,000 of those meals each week um, in their store. So it's quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And of those 63 uh, locations, how many of those are, are, the, are the majority of those franchised or are some company stores? So we have one company store. The rest of them are franchised. Two okay. company stores. I'm sorry. Well, it's getting ready to be a franchise, but yeah, it's one. Good. What, what do you think helps explain the growth of, the, of this concept and, and how have you all uh, you know, grown fairly rapidly? Oh, man. I think it goes back to the investment. It, it, one, it's the investment, and two, it's the revenue streams. It's the model itself. It's just very different and unique from what else, from everything else out there that's in our space. And I really think that's it. And then I think the other thing is our culture and the way that we've done it. Yvonne and I have always been really big on integrity, and we've never really, we've kind of gone against the grain, if you will, in terms of you know, franchise status quo and, and what concepts are supposed to do. Um, we've just always gone with our gut. And if it felt, if it didn't feel right in our gut, we just didn't do it. You know, we've, we've turned a lot of people down for this concept, but we've also brought a lot of good people in and, and, you know, our franchisees are like family to us. So I think that's another big part of it right there. Talk to me about this pandemic time. What, uh, either one of you feel free to, to chime in. Like what, uh, what did you all do starting in March, 2020? And, and what does that look like over the last year and a half? Um, I think the, the biggest thing is our model, our model. Uh, we were very blessed that our model was set up for something like that already. Um, we're just kind of a on the go type of thing. We did take a hit in, in our dine-in, you know, the restaurants kind of dropped their dine-in service, obviously, but you know, one of the biggest things that we did was we converted that grab and go section that I was explaining to you. We converted that over to our online ordering app um, so that people didn't necessarily have to physically walk in the restaurant to choose meals from those grab and go sections. And Yvonne and the rest of her team kind of did a good job of coming up with a systemized menu that was able, we were able to streamline that and put it on an online app. And it made it very, very easy for people to go on there and order it. And we did curbside service. So people didn't even have to really get out of their car. And that, that really, really, really helped our revenue through COVID a lot. Um, and how, how much of the business is like, uh, is dine-in versus picking up those to-go meals? Um, it's probably 60, 40, 70, 30, somewhere right around there. For the tilted towards the dine-in? Tilted towards the uh, meal plans, I'm sorry. Towards the meal plan. Okay, cool. And do you sell those meals other places besides your retail stores? We do. So we actually, Clean Eats is actually one brand with two companies. So we have Clean Eats Kitchen as well. And um, Clean Eats Kitchen is a nationwide distribution company with 
retail vendors, wholesale vendors, military accounts, um, college sports teams, pro sports teams, and then also direct to consumers. So we can ship meals direct to consumer as well. Finally, we'll hear from Andrew Pudilov, a former global head of derivative trading who became the founder and CEO of Rush Bowls. Pudilov's concept, which he launched 17 years ago, focuses on smoothie bowls served quickly from small footprint locations. Rush Bowls currently has 35 units across the country. People are looking for these healthy options and when nine or 10 companies control 98% of the food we eat, it's nice to have these small localized marketplaces that provide, you know, at least local choices. And even though Whole Foods wasn't, you know, a small local market, it started that way and then really grew, but they always enabled local farmers and everyone else to provide their wares basically in mm -hmm. those stores. Uh, certainly before Amazon took them over, but even Amazon provides that ability at some degree. So I think people want to, you know, be part of the community. They want to eat healthy. And I think there's generally a better understanding of nutrition in general. They want to feel, and, you know, certainly when they, people eat a rush bowl in particular, they want to feel energized. They don't want a big sugar mess that they, mm -hmm. you know, peak and then feel like crap afterwards. So it's really clean nutrition and it's, you know, for us, we're unique to the, the spot that we were small square footage, really zero waste. And I think people focused on that too, and clean nutrition. And that really helped us grow immensely. And I think there's, you know, a lot of companies trying to emulate that. Yeah. And, and how would you say you all are differentiated from some of the other players in this space right now? In a lot of ways, because, you know, as much as I came from a strong financial derivative background, it's about diversity within a very particular sector. Right? So, so Rush Bowls is diverse flavor sets um, within the bowl category, within the smoothie category. So we're not a deli doing salads, sandwiches, whatever else, and not doing anything well. We do bowls and smoothies best in the business. But beyond that, it's a diversified flavor set. So we do spicy, we do green greens, whether avocado, kale, we do fresh ground peanut butter in front of you, peanut butter and jelly bowl. We do acai, we do, you know, a million different ones of these. And certainly over 17 years, I have a really strong understanding of what works and what doesn't and why. And on top of that, you have an ever-changing taste of that's, you know, coming, coming around. We also are unique to the fact that we're, you know, whether you have an allergy or not, we don't upcharge, there's an option for you. So you're vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, whatever it is, we have a very, uh, we have an option for any bowl of smoothie and we feel that it's a dietary need, you shouldn't be punished by having to pay more. Sure. And that's an important part of our business model. And, and people really love that about Rush and certainly love the different flavors that we have without really putting a lot of these other places, they put sorbets in there or whatever else. So that's why our calorie count is extremely low and we're super nutritious. We don't do that. Do our consumers using you guys as a meal replacement or a snack? Yeah, hundred percent meal replacement and it's meal size. You know, it's okay. American meal size. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, our bowls are 16 ounces, not in really with toppings on top of that. So fresh bananas, fresh strawberries, whatever it may be, or fresh ground peanut butter, which is just unsalted peanuts grounded in front of you. And we put it on top. 
Uh, so it's a meal replacement. And the data shows that, you know, for us, lunch is our busiest time of day, generally speaking. So we do a huge lunch business. We do breakfast and we do dinner, but our biggest time of day is, is lunch. And it's certainly a meal replacement and people can feel good about that meal, right? Mm-hmm. So. And, and where are you at today in terms of unit count? So we're at 35 units and um, we are opening tons and more units this year. So we're opening in Minnesota, a couple of units, New Orleans. We just opened our Dallas in the heart of Dallas Union. Uh, and we have a lot of stores in Texas, but I also looked at it much broader. So we have stores from Portland, Oregon to West Palm and everywhere mm-hmm. in between. So we have epicenters really in certainly Colorado, Texas, Connecticut, um, and elsewhere in St. Louis, Missouri, among other places, the Carolinas and, and certainly Boise and California. So we're, we try to be a global brand um, and certainly a national brand, at least. And um, we feel that, you know, there's these super regionals, but no one really is taking it in this size or scope on a national scale. Yeah. What do you think maybe are the advantages or disadvantages to growing in that uh in that manner, rather than just sort of, you know, in this hub and spoke kind of fashion or sort of in the, the you know, radiating out from the, the central location? Well, it's certainly much harder to do it on a national basis than a super regional, right? So, you know, I have experience of growing a brand on a national basis. We had a frozen uh, bowl brand that we, Rush Bowl brand that we did with Whole Foods that was uh, in 40 states. So I have a really strong understanding of that distribution. So distribution, certainly a business like this is very, very important. So having national contracts with these different distributors to be able to supply these different franchisees, our partners with the products and making sure it's the same quality is a very, very tricky uh, game to play. And we were way ahead of the curve on it. And we really wanted to make sure that everyone had the same quality and same products and be able to support those products the same way. So certainly if you're super regional, you have much more control over it, but we've been very fortuitous of with this business model, but it's really based on the experience I had earlier, uh, the team had earlier, and we're able to facilitate it in a productive manner. Um, I know that there have been so many supply chain struggles during this pandemic time. Has that impacted you all in any way? Well, you know, it's... <laughs> I think it's going to get harder before it gets easier, quite frankly. We were ahead of the curve on it, so we understood some of the struggles, uh, but there's certainly more and more struggles every day. And, you know, for us as a company, it's always solution-based. So even if there's a shortage or whatever that may be, is what is the solution? What can we use as an alternative, whether it's fresh fruit, IQF fruit, whatever that may be, what are the options? Um but certainly no different than during the height of COVID and people panicked on toilet paper or whatever it may be. It's just having different options. Since we have a diverse menu and not a tremendous crazy menu, it's easier to facilitate those products. Um, and certainly our suppliers uh, mostly, you know, uh, or at least our packaging suppliers, most of them, we, we consciously made a decision of making, uh, purchasing products that are made in the USA prior to even, you know, this process. So it made at least distribution a lot easier for us mm-hmm. than trying to get, uh, you know, a container from Asia, which is a disaster right now, unfortunately, for a lot of companies 
And fortuitously right now, we're, we're in really good shape. But again, no one knows what tomorrow will bring.